Lee Bevington Media, voiceovers and on-air talent for radio, television and podcasts. Visit leebevington.com.au Radio, the transmission and reception of electromagnetic waves on radio frequency, especially those carrying sound messages, or the activity or industry of broadcasting sound programs to the public. Fanboy. A male fan, especially one who behaves in an obsessive or overexcited way. This is the Radio Fanboy Podcast, and here's your host, Bevo. On today's podcast, we're going south, down south. No, not Victoria, even further south, Tasmania. And there's a guy down there that's quite a bit of a legend in the radio industry. He started a business 20 years ago today called Abe's Audio. His name? Funnily enough, is Abe Beauty, and he joins me on the Radio Fanboy podcast today. Hello, Abe. How are you? Good, thanks, Bevo. How are you? Thanks for having me. You are most welcome. Now, first of all, Abe. Not short for Abraham? No, it's not. It's just Abe. My last name's Beauty. Abe Beauty. I copped an absolute heap of stick going through school because the kids would say, Hey, Abe Beauty, you Beauty, <laughs> come <laughs> over here. Or they'd say, hey, I've got a funny one, Abe, Abe Beauty, what a beauty, is like, oh, oh thanks. Wow. Thanks, mum and dad, for that. Uh, so, yeah. your background, it's it's not from um, Europe or, or a no. foreign country, no? No, Beauty is, apparently, it's a Cornish name, but ah, I'm an Aussie, I was born okay. in Adelaide and grew up in Port Lincoln. Port Lincoln, so five double C, I hear you are... One of your first jobs, um, you were working in radio as Sammy the Seagull. Yes, my first job, inverted commas, was dressing up as the station mascot. I think it was a second-hand seagull outfit. I don't know why a seagull had anything to do with it when I think the station logo was an eagle. Oh. Maybe they thought a seagull was the uh, the closest they could get. I do remember doing a couple of uh, parades. There's a big festival in Port Lincoln called Tunarama. And, you know, based around the whole, it's a tuna industry and they had the tuna toss and it's a whole heap of tuna-esque related uh, activities and fun and, you know, sideshows. Oh, my and God. A big, it's- a big big parade was the Tunarama Parade. And, yes, there I was dressed up in the Sammy Seagull outfit <laughs> in, in the back of the 5CC Suzuki. It was uh, lots of fun. Yeah, I'm just having visions of um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs about that fishing town and, and, you know, talking all about the fish and that's all the, the town was all about. So that's the vision that I get in my head um, with you being the seagull and the tuna festival and everything else going on there. I've got to say, though, the seagull, it certainly wasn't a major part of my job, but I don't know how, probably because I was the the one that put my hand up and keen for anything. You know what it's like when you're young and working in radio. You're just hungry for it and you'll do whatever it takes and you'll do anything really because you just love it. Did they ever wash that suit? I don't actually know. It got pretty hot and so sweaty in there. I <laughs> <laughs> remember that pretty pretty ordinary. So I've got no idea where it is now, if the suit still exists. If you have worked or are working at 5CC and you know anything about Sammy the Seagull suit, I would love to know if he's still alive. Because <laughs> Abe wants it for his collection. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. You're, um, you're interested in radio. Obviously, this was one of your first uh, radio jobs as a, a station mascot, but there, there would have been... Um, some fascination growing up as a kid, listening on the wireless, um, you know, being mm. in a smaller town. Yep. Yeah. And it, again, it was a smaller town. Port Lincoln's, what, 13,000, 14,000 people. 5CC was only AM. There was one AM station in the town, no FM station. But I just loved radio. So growing up through high school, something about technology, and this is before digital technology. So we're talking, you know, CD players, cart machines, you know, reel-to-reel, 
we're talking, you know, old school technology, but there's something about music and tech that I loved. And so throughout high school, uh, essentially, I, I just loved it. And we, I started up a high school radio station. I use radio loosely because it wasn't actually radio, but we essentially put speakers all around the school with a bunch of mates. We'd DJ at lunchtimes and play CDs and backing out songs and annoy people by playing such songs as Wigfield, I think, back in the day. Sexy Eyes was oh, huge. Wow. Just trying to think some of the songs that were big hmm that one springs to mind for some reason uh but yeah we would play songs around the playgrounds uh at lunchtime and for me i just loved radio so i'd do djing on the weekends but i'd go down to five double c basically and work for free and say whatever you've got i'll do and i was cutting uh, how green was my cactus and you know episodes and serials like that that would arrive on reel to reel i would you know copy them to carts to be then used on air um, and I'd just go in there on Saturday and work for free. I just loved, loved radio. I loved the idea of music. I, I loved advertising, media, communication. It was just, it was just in my blood from a young age. And I do, yeah, just did whatever it took to get in the door. And, um, I, my mum was reminding me the other day, actually. Um, she said, you finished year 12, or you said to them, my last exam at year 12, I went to, to school in Port Lincoln. My last exam is on this date. I'm able to start working here on this date. And they didn't have a position as, as, uh, as I remember, but they kind of created one for me, probably just to stop me annoying them and coming in after school all the time. But from there, I started in an on-air role, but doing production, doing copy, dressing up as Sammy Seagull, <laughs> pretty much doing everything. Um, and cut my teeth and, and loved it. We all got to start somewhere and, that, and everyone seems to share a similar story, that passion for radio, that uh, interest um, as a young teenager, a, a young kid, just that, that imagination, just that feeling of um, oh, just, it's hard to explain, isn't it? Like that, that feeling yeah, that you get from being it, on radio. What is the passion that drives people? I don't even know. I can't think of why did I love it so much, but there was just something about the music and communication and technology. And I guess radio brings all that together. You're using tech, you're communicating, you're playing music. For me, I was producing ads. So I you know, was using tech, had music tracks, voiceovers, just it was basically all my dreams at one place. And it was, I was able to, you know, have a job doing that. How long did you spend at uh, five double C? I think I was there in a paid role for a about eight, 12 to 18 months. Yep. From there, I, I kind of thought, right, the world's bigger, the worldwide, the great big wide world. And I got a job at 4CC, so no relation oh, in Gladstone. Oh, wow. I what think a everyone, story. I think everyone who's anyone, I think everyone has worked at 4CC. <laughs> everyone that I've ever talked to, yeah, they've worked there for a month or six or six or years or whatever. But yes, I was also went to 4CC and worked with some, some great people up there for six months. And while I was there, I kind of thought, you know, I'm working for someone else and earning no money. I think I was on 26 grand a year at the time. And, um, you know, it was it was minimum wage, working hard, producing, because you had those sort of three stations of 4CC. They served Gladstone, Rockhampton and Billawilla. And so lots of ads to be made and was using some of my own gear because they were only very new to digital technology. And I'd bought my own computer and I'd been given a program, I don't know if anyone remembers it, but called Software Audio Workshop. It fitted on one floppy disk. Oh, wow. So I was using my own computer and a, a program off a floppy disk and making ads for 4CC and thought, oh, I'd rather work for myself and earn no money than work for someone else and earn no money. Essentially, I wanted to be in control of my own destiny and yeah. kind of started 
Abe's Audio while I was working at 4CC, basically paying in an ounce of five bucks to do a read, five bucks to write the ad, charging a client $15. So, oh, well, $5 profit is about right, five, five, and five. And um, I think the local announcers just, you know, took the cash for beer money, basically, and and but that's how Abe's Audio started. Funnily enough, I don't know if I'm boring you, but I was thinking of what do I call the business, and I had a short list of names. One of them was Sixth Dimension Digital Audio Production. No, way too long. But I realised answering the phone with that every time is not going to be easy. No. Um, and so Abe's Audio it was, and that's how we started. Yes, short and to the point. You you would have learnt that in radio. It's all about brevity, isn't it, to keep people's yeah. interest. Yeah. So Abe's Audio started in Gladstone. Wow. It did. It did. It started in Glado, and then I literally drove three days nonstop in my Commodore across the Hay Plains, down past Broken Hill, back to Port Lincoln, and essentially in a, a little a granny flat, really, living with three other blokes. Um, I had my my computer and propped up on an old school desk, and I had my microphone was between the shirts hanging from a broomstick that my dad had put up. So you'd, you know, part them aside and step into the comma, inverted commas, voiceover booth, air quote. Uh, that was the booth and dial-up internet. I think it was a blisteringly fast fifty-six kilobits. You'd get on a good day. Oh, that was the that was the fast plan, wasn't it? <laughs> that was the fast one. And the early days of MP3, and and basically that's how it started full time for me. What yeah. a story! It sounds very much like um the, the beginnings of Apple and Google and Amazon and all those sort of things, starting in um you know their parents' garage. But you you started mm. in the the granny flat. I haven't quite gotten to the size of Apple yet. No. <laughs> Is but, it, yes, are you on the humble share, beginnings. Are you on the stock market yet with Abe's Audio? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Not a publicly listed company yet. No. But uh, there's always time for that. So um, where to from there? You, you would have just started expanding. You would have found this um, this amazing um, opportunity for regional radio to get mm. um, Cap City quality uh, voiceover talent. Yeah, and that was really the start. It was regional, basically in regional radio. We know budgets are very, very tight. So it was how can I give them something cheap, basically, that they could afford, something that was a, a different voice than the local announcers, uh, and how could I do it quickly? They needed it quick. It needed to be cheap. Uh, you know, low cost because that's the only way they could afford it and they needed to stand out. And that was kind of what I started with. And I've over the time, I've tried to, well, I've moved away from being cheap, but you're still going to be really, really high value and the cost has got to be right. So, um, but yeah, that were the three things. Um, it was really good value, really quick and something that stood out on air. And from there, they say the long road to overnight success. It was years of just me doing it everything. So yeah. I would produce... I would do all the client connections. I would uh, handwrite all the invoices, follow up accounts, everything, you name it. Um, it was me. I, you know, I would get the CD libraries and start to sort out our, the production music and categorise that, you know, hours and hours and hours of that. It was me doing everything for years. And then I, I met um, a guy who offered to mentor me from Tasmania. He was in South Australia with another mate of mine doing some um, some tours, um, some, some speaking in some local schools around the Air Peninsula, said, move to Tassie. And at that time, I'd talked to another, or well, a legend of the industry, Martin Kibitsky, who was a producer at was 5AD in Adelaide, and essentially was thinking, do I go to work at what was 5AD, now Mix 102.3, do I go to Adelaide for a job? There's the potential there, where my family was, and I had friends. Do I come to Tassie where I didn't know anyone, follow a dream, pack up Abe's Audio on my Commodore, 
And that's what I did. Wow. I was wondering how it ended up in uh, Tasmania because Tasmania doesn't seem to be the, the hub of, of media or regional um, radio or anything like that. Early on, uh, I was, it was worked for a year or two. Again, really humble beginnings using dial-up internet that I would have to pull out when I needed the fax to work and then I'd plug it back in to dial-up and send out ads from a real uh, – basically from – I was working from a – um, this guy who invited me over, he had a music production studio and I was working from a small, almost a storeroom there, um, basically sitting there with my speak, some, some secondhand speakers on an old computer desk and that was it for a, two or three years and then slowly expanded, moved to rent an old shed out the back of a, an office that a, another mate of mine had. Um, was my first fixed cost, I thought, how am I going to afford 30 bucks a week paying rent? I mean, I've had no costs up until now. It's getting real. It's getting scary. Um, and then I started slowly building uh, as I needed the talent like, uh, staff. And I had a plan, a dream to build a hub of absolute, you know, make, make Tasmania, Devonport where, I'm, where I am, Devonport the hub of radio production in Australia. That was my dream. Um, and sounds a little, maybe a little bit silly, but that was dashed when one of my original staff wanted to move away to Launceston. But he said, I will work out how I can work remotely. This is way before the cloud was a thing, like long before anyone was kind of doing this. And so we worked out how to work remotely using, again, dial-up, early stages of um, ADSL. Um, and then ADSL 2 came in blisteringly fast. But early stages of internet connections, um, speed slowly increasing. We were in the cloud before the cloud was a thing. And that enabled me to then go, right, I can get other people not in Devonport. So got a, one of our senior producers still with us now is in Adelaide, and he's an absolute gun. He's worked, he cut his teeth in the radio industry uh, back at SAFM, the early days there when, when they were uh, first starting. But we're able to get the best talent that I could find that I had relationships with, no matter where they were based, and so today we've still got talent based around Australia, but also we do have a couple of offices in Launceston and Devonport where we've got some great talent as well. So kind of a mix of, uh, you know, in office and also remote staff. And we're able to do that out of kind of working out of radio and then thinking, how do I go remote and um, kind of crack that? So that's how that's worked. Let's talk about the, uh, the, the talent in the early stages. Who did you get on your books that uh, have have gone on to bigger and better things since they started working with you. Yeah, interestingly, some of uh, the voices we've got, um, I picked up years and years and years ago and are still with me and they're great voices. And we, we have a different model uh, in that we, we don't, we're not an agency, so we don't have exclusive relationships with voice talent. Um, we're a production house, but we really manage them really, really well. So we know in terms of manage their availability, not manage them personally, but we manage when they're available, when they can record. We know that we've designed software that helps us to know when voices are available. They can say, yep, I'm available now and now, a couple of sessions a day. We can work and send them work within that so it works for them. Um, and so there's a bunch of talent um, that, yeah, well, I, I, in the early days uh, I, I picked up and I've, we're still working with now. Um, so that's good. But there's some as well that have helped me in the early days and have gone on that aren't working in radio now or, uh, yeah, are doing different things. But I guess it's all about relationships and being real and authentic, I think. And, you know, if you can establish that and just care about people, then kind of it goes, you know, long term. Would you give yourself credit for creating the home studio in Australia, like the, the design no. and, and how to set one up? 
Uh, no, no, I wouldn't give myself credit for that at all. Um, but it was, we're certainly riding the wave of seeing the changes in the industry. So seeing what was available and to, as technology over the years has developed more and come down in price, we're certainly you know, being a part of riding that and leveraging that the best that we can. But, you know, certainly not, I wouldn't be credited for setting that up at all. But it's it's really... The industry is changing, and I've been, I mean, let's be honest, I've been ripped into numerous times by people saying, you're killing the industry, and you know, because we work in a different kind of model, and it's like, well, no, I'm not killing the industry, things are changing. The market expectations are changing dramatically because technology has changed. Technology and, you know, in radio, networking has changed. Everything is different to what it was 20 years ago, and to hang on to, you know, what an old model was, I think those that do that will be left behind because things are changing so much. I mean, you can set up a good home studio now for under $1,000, like an interface, a good interface under a couple of hundred bucks. Again, not the best, but one that does a really fine job. You know, spend a few few hundred on a microphone and you've got a great mic and an interface and then get a, a booth. You don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on that that you may once have had to do. Now it's, you know, it's in the realms of possibility for anyone, but you can have the gear and not have the ear. Uh, You know, you can have all the gear in the world, but if you don't know how to read a script as a voice or you don't know, you know, how to interpret, how to, you know, how to deliver a read, doesn't matter what gear you have, it's kind of how good you can and how you can self-direct. So I think it's, I think it's a bit of both. You need that home studio and it's never been easier to have a home studio, but then you need to know how to use it, how to use your voice, um, and then also be a, an easy person to work with. What's a few tips you'd give for a, a budding voiceover artist starting out and, and wanting to, to make a career of it? Um, obviously, they've got to start somewhere and, mm. and learn the skills. What sort of tips would you give to those people? I would say there's no shortcut to success. And I've seen young people, even so recently, um, to, you know, almost feels like five minutes ago, they've got a microphone and then they're kind of rating themselves. It's like, no, you've got to start and just read. So the more you read, the better you get. And it's really reading and trying to sound authentic. So I would say, even if you're doing a hard sell read, you still got that element of authenticity and kind of that you can weave into the script. Or if you're doing a, you know, really laid back kind of read, it's still trying to make it sound real. Does that make sense? Mm. It's, it's all about the tone, like, isn't it? It's, not it's about the tone. The and it's getting away from talking to someone and putting on some kind of voice and trying to keep it real. Another thing I say to voices is don't is know what words to swallow. So if you say some words you overemphasize ands, oh, I'm gonna, I haven't got a script in front of me. It's a bad, probably a bad example, but there's some words that you just should swallow or don't overemphasize. Again, that takes experience, but when you can kind of work out yes, I'll lean on that word and I'll swallow that word. It's these small, subtle differences that make a big difference. And I've often said there's really not much difference between good and great, but the differences are huge when you hear it. So you can be a good voice and only a few subtle differences can make you a great voice, but nailing those subtle differences is difficult. And when you hear them, you go, gee, that's a great voice. So does that make any sense? Yes, then? yes, absolutely. Um, obviously, I've been in radio for quite some time and, and know about um, uh, putting together a, a good read, but um, are you one of these people that still goes into the booth and marks up a script with inflections and, um, and pauses? I don't. I, 
I read off an iPad in my booth, so I don't, but I know a lot of guys and a lot of girls do. Um, I guess it's just, yeah, it's just what you're used to. But interestingly, coming back, Bevo, when you talked about home studios, voice talent these days with home studios don't just have to be good voices. They've got to be good at self-directing. So you've got to be able to listen while you're speaking, listen to your read and go, yep, that was good or could have gone a bit more dynamic in that or could have pulled that down a bit. And you're kind of self-directing as you're reading. So it's a real skill. Yeah, I guess the only way you can learn that is to start off having some direction in a radio station from a producer and, and, and learning that way. And then, ah, okay, that you get that light bulb moment where you, you learn and you, you realise you need to be both those people um, when you become a, a, a stay-at-home voiceover artist. Yeah, I mean, and maybe you can't get your start in radio, but I would say listen. Just listen to some of the great voices. Notice you've talked uh, talk with Adam Whitby. He's a great voice. Um, who else is there? Um, uh, Lofty. <sighs> Guys like that, they're just absolute giants and legends of the industry. Just listen to them, how they read. And, you, you know, be a student, I guess, of other people and listen to how they read, how they interpret scripts, and then record yourself. doesn't matter if you don't have a setup. Record yourself in your phone and listen back and go, yeah, that's good. How would Lofty have read that? Or how would, you know, and I'm just mentioning a couple of guys that you've chatted to, but, you know, there's so there's some great voice talent. I think listen to how others are doing it and then be critical. Some really good tips there, Abe. Um, and and congratulations. Twenty Is it 20 years this year or 21? I, what I are we at? I think it's 21. I think we'll be 25 years in 2023 because I started in 98, really, yeah. the business. So we're coming up to 25 years, which is pretty crazy and very humbling to think about, to be honest. And you're still here despite some of the naysayers and the competitors that have tried to shut yep. you down over the years. You're still going and you're and you're still getting the, the business. For me, it's I, I'm still passionate about it. And I, I don't do that much production or, or voiceover work anymore. I still do some, but I've kind of surrounded myself with people, especially in, in our business, better producers than I am. So I don't do as much. My role is chatting to people, you know, helping to, with ideas and then with culture and, and leading our business. But I'm still as passionate as ever. I, I love it. Yeah, you have bad days, but I just love what we do and I love helping people really they've got a problem we've got the solution and we're genuinely here to help and that's what drives me some of the um the scripts you've read over the years have you noticed a few um predictable starts to script like yeah there's never been a better time to or asking me a question are you in the market for a new jackhammer yes I mean if you're not switch off right away there I mean and, and, and cliches like... Cliches, the friendly, that's the word I was looking for. See the friendly staff at your one-stop shop. I mean, you know, it's our birthday and you get the presents. We've all read it. We've all, we've all, we've all heard them. Yeah, for me, st- starting with a question that might alienate people, unless there's a real reason for doing it, I, I think that's... I don't know. I don't think that's always a great way to start a script. If it alienates a lot of the audience, no, I'm not the, I'm not the market for Jackhammer, so I'll turn off. But maybe you could say... Oh, crikey, Jackham is a bad example. But maybe there's a statement you could make that would capture people's attention rather than asking a question that might turn them off. That's what I'd do anyway. And what about the end of commercial? Should you still put a phone number? Uh, no. <laughs> Unless you're Pizza Hut and it's 131166. Uh, no. Uh, for me, it's all about what's in it for me. Really, what's in it for the listener? Why should they care? You know? So think about why should they care? Um 
you know, and try to end with that. I mean, maybe there's a call to action. Maybe it's, hey, you know, Google such and such a business name because everyone remembers the name. They'll Google it and they'll find the details. But dig into why they should care. So the business, we don't just do this, blah, blah, blah. We just do this and we've ran around for 25 years. No one cares about that. But tell them why they care, why you're going to make their life better or easier or add value or, hey, when you use us, we'll do this so that you'll never have to do that again. You know, um, Google Acme sewer cleaning for more. Great. I don't have to worry about things getting blocked up. I'm, I'm, I'm grasping for, for samples, I'm grasping for uh, examples from thin air, but do you know what I mean? So it's about how do we show people what the value is, why they should care, and then just leave them with a name and tell them to Google. That's what I think. So you started off um, doing audio production, doing your own voiceovers, uh, growing a, a talent bank, but you've expanded that. Uh, jingles. Is this something that you sing yourself or you've got... Um, no, 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 and I don't... Funnily enough, half an hour ago, I was working with a client on a jingle, but I haven't done the production or singing. I'm not a singer. Uh, but I, I found a guy about 15, oh, it was 15 years ago now, and I'd heard a track that he'd done, someone had redesigned our website and he was known to them. Somehow I heard this song and I thought, there's something about that really, really commercial production, like not cheesy kind of MIDI sounds. I said, have you ever done jingles? He goes, no. I said, I reckon you'd be good. 15 years later, he's he's a phenomenal guitarist, uh, you know, programs and plays and records and sings like a weapon, like he's an amazing vocalist. So he does, he can really do everything and so he writes sings and produces so he's one of my main jingle guys and we've got other guys around that you know similar like him but he was the first guy really that i found that um hadn't done jingles but he's a gun so they're good fun i I love jingles and trying not to be cheesy and predictable make them sound as commercial and song-like as possible while with jingles there is an element of cheese because you've got to be hooky and memorable but trying not to be cheesy in the production if that makes sense yes yes i've noticed some radio stations don't seem to get the jingle right and it does come off a bit cheesy i know in america it's quite big um with jingles and so forth but um i don't know on australian radio um some jingles just make you cringe so you've definitely got to find that right talent don't you I think it goes in stages too. The jingles come in and out of phase uh, for clients, you know, commercial jingles. And, you know, if they go out, they'll come in. You know, you can rest assured with that, I think. So not only uh, audio production and jingles, but sound design. This is a new um, word for me. You'll have to explain what exactly sound design is. So for all the video people out there, it's kind of what we do. You know, we know making it, when we do radio production, we're designing sound and imaging, it's sound design. But really sound design for, for video, for whether it's TV commercials, online video, it's really adding the soundtrack. So there might be a voiceover done, but then there's animation or there's live action and you're adding, you know, it's someone they've shot that's running along, you know, it's a fitness ad. You're adding the... <sighs> the puffing you're adding you know the footsteps and making it all sound realistic because generally all that sound is not actually recorded when they shoot the vision so it's adding all that and making it sound real and that's yeah that's kind of what we do and we've branched into doing a lot more sound design for tv programs so brand funded content you know episodic half hour eps things produced uh kind of lower budget shows so we're not talking top gear but lower budget kind of indie production companies are producing uh, uh 
TV content, long form content. We then do the audio post and the sound design for that. So that might be uh, getting the host mics, getting adding music, making sure the audio sounds right, leveling everything out, making sure it all fits for broadcast standards. So that's kind of it's a bit like taking the radio skills you've learned and then applying that to a whole the vision uh, stage and adding the pictures basically. In 2021, we, uh, we're finding ourselves more online than ever before, and e-learning seems to be a new way to um, pick up a new skill, um, something you've also dived into as well with your business. Yeah, e-learning, is, is, there's just so much of it. So we're doing a lot of that, and it's a lot longer form. Some might say it's pretty boring and pretty dry. It's not like a, you know, an interesting 30-second radio ad that's done, you know, produced within a few minutes, you know, done and on air. It's a lot longer form and very different kind of production, but certainly an industry that's growing. Some amazing uh, services you're offering with uh, Abe's Audio these days, considering uh, your humble beginnings uh, at 4CC in Gladstone and then um, starting up the actual physical business in your home port, Lincoln. Lincoln. To be honest, I still feel the same that I did then. I can remember those days really clearly and yeah, we've got, I don't know, I think it's 17 staff now, five client service, eight or nine producers and accounts team, a full-time software developer on staff. But wow. for me, I don't know, I still feel I still feel that same as that young bloke that started with, with passion. You know, it's very humbling when I go to a, a Christmas, you know, we have a Christmas dinner or a work function and everyone, we've got everyone locally and we've flown the guys in that are, that are working remotely as well. To look around the room, it moves me every time to think, wow, like what we started back in the day and what was birthed out of a dream working at 5CC and then at 4CC. I still feel as humble as ever and, and really thankful for you know, the people that are around me and those that have been on the journey for all these years. Abe, Udi, thank you so much for joining us on the Radio Fanboy Podcast and sharing this amazing journey of yours. It's a pleasure, Bevo. Thanks for having me. Like the Radio Fanboy Podcast? Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or visit leebevington.com.au. Lee Bevington Media, voiceovers and on-air talent for radio, television, and podcasts.